Welcome to the Imperfectly Perfect Campaign, sharing real-life stories from real people to unite them in global change for the face of mental health. We will also reduce the stigma, creating communication, healing, and awareness to save lives and inspire. Join us weekly as we talk to some of the highly acclaimed faces, influencers, experts, and others who have been through extreme adversity. All right, guys, so welcome to another episode of the Imperfectly Perfect podcast. I want to welcome a good friend of mine over from the States, and like I do each week, I'm going to run through a quick bio, then we're going to get into some hard-hitting questions. So, Andrea Logan, a certified physical fitness trainer with certification from ISSA, ACSM, and a Dr. Kenneth Cooper PT certification with a speciality in special populations. For 13 years, she was employed at Semper Fitness, training the Marines in PT at Camp... Lejeune. Since 2014, she's been training celebrities in Los Angeles, turning Flab into Fab and around Malibu, California. She was in a near-fatal car wreck with massive neck injuries, facing a future with limited mobility. More than one doctor wanted to fuse a three-damaged vertebrae in her neck. Dr. Landman, big shout out to him, which we'll get on to, because um, I know Andrea like, sings his praises, gave her back alive and thus career by replacing the damaged disc in her neck without fusion restoring her range of motion. And she knows firsthand what it's like to rise up from the darkest depth of one soul when she ultimately won her personal battle with bulimia. So first of all, thank you for coming on the show, Andrea. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's great seeing you. I know, I know. Each year I come to LA. I think I met you, what is it now, about four years ago, that first time? Yeah, because at my wreck, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because my wreck's been about that long, yeah. You met me right as I was recovering. I remember, I remember the first time, and uh, you were setting up a competition with with Ricky Whittle, yeah, doing doing box jumps outside, and you've got this neck brace on. And then I heard what had happened. You told me, and I was like, "You're setting up a competition? <laughs> like what?" And you're training outside, and I'm like, "Oh, you can take on like now testing to your resume there, like training Marines. You take on anyone, but to go through that kind of injury and told that." a lot of doctors wouldn't touch it. We'll get onto that, but let's take it from the beginning because you, you spoke, you've had an incredible career. I like to know about the person behind the profession. Tell us about those, um, your upbringing and the, the darkest despair, what you're a big advocate and thank you because you've been such a support for this campaign and everything. So I thank you for that. Um, I had a great childhood. I'll be honest. My dad was my biggest uh, um, role model in my life. I actually played D1 sports and volleyball and basketball. So he was my coach from a little kid all the way up. Then I got into the college years. My basketball coach wanted me to put on some weight to make me stronger. Mm. Unfortunately, they don't know what we know today. And that weight on me threw me into a tailspin. Then my roommate said, oh, this is how you can get your weight off. So she told me how to uh, throw up, I guess. So I started doing it, but then actually it took over me. I thought I was in control, but it took my body over. It's an addiction, and you know, it's a sickness, and it's really um, a mental health because when you look at yourself in a mirror, you see something that is totally distorted, nothing like what you really are, and. Um, and, and, and actually, this week is uh, Eating Disorder Awareness Week. So you hit me at a great time. <laughs> um, but uh, 
it's a, it's a darkness and it overcomes you. And, uh, it's sort of like, for me, I was in taking people with anxiety. My eating was like my anxiety, anxiety. And then I was releasing my anxiety as I, I purged mm -hmm. and it became a havoc. And it was so bad that I took about seven to 10,000 calories a day. I would go from Burger King to McDonald's to Taco Bell all at once. And I, I will not give ideas out, but there's, there's formulas you come up with your own, in your own brain on how it makes everything easier to engage all that and to purge it. And, and what's really weird is when I went and put myself in a um, rehab center for eating disorders, you, you seriously meet people that have done the exact chemistry that you've done, but nobody's ever told us. Mm -hmm. So you come up with the same patterns and it's the same patterns, just like for alcoholism, drug addiction. You, it's like you're all on the same kind of brain wave. And it's really weird because you're looking at somebody going, oh my God, I did that. I did that, but nobody ever told me, but it becomes a, a vicious cycle and it's actually 29 million are affected by it. It's the number one killer truly besides, you know, opioids and everything, but it's kind of a hush hush. It, they, it needs more awareness because it's, it's a, a silent killer mm -hmm. because you can, you can fake it. Like I can look thin and healthy, but really I'm slowly killing myself. It's not like I'm drunk and falling down and passing out or so high. I can't comprehend. I can comprehend everything that's going around me. It's just, it's a silent killer on the inside. And that's where, um, with the carpenter lady, um, in the carpenters, she died of a heart attack due to, um, an eating disorder. So it's, it's a silent, silent, silent killer. And I was fortunate enough. I was training, as you said, Marines at the time. And this lady came up to me and I looked healthy. I looked in shape, everything. And she said, I have brain cancer, but I want before I pass my time comes, I want to get in the best shape that I can. How do you do it? I looked at her and at that moment I knew I was the biggest liar on this planet. This lady's dying of cancer and asking me how to get in shape. And I'm slowly killing myself. And at that moment, I knew I needed help. So um, I was married to a military, and I, I said, I need help. And I found a place in uh, Arizona. And at that time, eating disorders in the early 90s was really not like it is today. Mm -hmm. And I went and put myself for four, almost four months, I stayed. And they gave me tools. Nothing can fix you but yourself. But they, I left what I call with a box full of tools and my toolbox was full and I went right into counseling with another um, therapist and I probably stayed with her another six years, but I knew I had to do it for myself. i had had a daughter. She was five. They told me that I probably wouldn't make it till she was 10. Um, so I just decided to turn myself around. Was it easy? No, it was not but you have to ask for help for one and but you've got to really want it yourself nobody else can do it for you tough love sometimes that works but sometimes it can go out backwards so you've really got to um 
I guess, really reach down and figure out what's going to make you better. Why do you want to be here? What, why? And my whys were one, my daughter, and for myself. I did want to be this liar, this, this facade that was walking around with a smile on her face, really killing myself on the inside. And I was miserable. I was miserable on the inside. Yeah, I smile a lot, and I've never met a stranger. But even at that time, I did not like me, and I could not figure out why. And I had to figure out all the things that I thought, and it was my shortcomings. I can't be perfect. Nobody is. But I thought I had to be the perfect child, the perfect athlete, the starter on the team, make everybody happy. And I was this yes girl to everybody. I never knew how to say no. And this yes girl was miserable because I was trying to please everybody else but myself. And so I realized you've got to be selfish. You have to be selfish, take care of yourself so you can take care of everybody else. And so it was a long, hard battle, but I'm telling you, it can be done. But the first step is ask for help. I think one, and it's one thing that we both connected on when I, I openly spoke about my body dysmorphia and you told me about your bulimia. But I think one commonality is when people realize we don't speak out initially because we think we've got it under control. We haven't. Yes. It's controlling <laughs> us, isn't it? Did you find that? Yes. It, 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 it just takes over. And you really think you're in, seriously, you can stop it, you're in control, but no, it has such a hold tight on you that is leading your path. And my path, I, I honestly, I cannot remember a lot of my life. There's dark spots that I can't even remember at all because it truly had a hold on me. I remember going to parties in college and looking at the table of all the food and that's all I could think about. That's all I could think about. Wow. And I don't remember joining the party because all I thought about was the food on the table. So it really does control you. It, just, it really, it really, it, truly does. It's, you, you spoke about the food, whereas mine, I had the body dysmorphia and was thinking I had perceived flaws. So I'd be at places, I'd be at restaurants with my, with my family. And it's funny you said you had a young daughter at the time because we had a, a newborn as well. And yeah. all I could think about was going to the bathroom, to the mirror, to check a perceived flaw that I thought was there. Yeah, it was, it, it was just. It's not. really weird because with an eating disorder, you see, I wrote a paper in my professor in college out there. He said, I think you need some help. I told him it was like going into a fun house. You see a mirror that puts you really different, really thin, really big and fat. Every day, that's what it looked like for me looking in a mirror was I was in a fun house because I would see something totally different because my brain was not firing correctly. And so I do understand that because you're, you're trying to look for something to convince yourself there is something wrong. I need to fix something. But really, it's your head is not seeing who you really are. It's like an illusion. It's a fun house. It, it truly is. And I think there comes a point as well, and I've spoken to a lot of people through this campaign and everything, and I'll ask you the question because I think you think you're in control that much, but because you're not in control. What you're seeing in that mirror, like you said, is like a fun house. You almost want somebody to back it up. So you constantly <laughs> ask people, I can remember going to my wife going, can you not see this? Can you not see this? To the yeah. point where she was like, do you want me to say yes? Because yeah. no, I yeah. can't. And that yeah. moment that if you did get them to say yes, you'd be like, that would confirm it for you. That's right. That's right. And then 
you, you, they, they're like, shut up quick. Cause I would say I'm fat. I need to get, lose weight here. Do you see my face? It's really round today. You know, uh, no. And I still catch myself every now and then I will say, Oh, I'm getting some weight. I need to, and, and in my head, I'm like, Andrea, you're like in the 95 percentile of your age bracket. Come on. But you always find a way to go there sometimes. And then you just have to convince yourself, you know, this is really uh, terrible that you're even thinking it. You've worked so hard. But you do find yourself sometimes, I can tell in my brain, and this is the weirdest thing, I can tell in my brain, I call it fuzzy feeling, where I feel like I'm in a grocery store and I see a birthday cake. Oh, I could go eat that. That'd be easy. And it's called a fuzz. I can feel it. And then I know I need to put celery cucumbers and everything that i can snack on to get me through that fuzzy feeling so i've learned how to pick up on the little tricks for myself yeah and i think what i wanted to touch on there was one of the biggest things and you you probably went through it yourself and i know i did is thinking we can control it and then scared to tell anyone what was it yeah. like that feeling when you finally let it out and you surrendered and you told people well, for a long time, my family is a very private family. So, you know, you don't really go and blast it out there. So that's what I thought because a lot of people, because I was so thin, thought I was doing drugs. Oh, do you know Andrea back at home? She's, she's hooked on cocaine. You know, that was furthest from the truth. So when I finally decided to ask for help, they really, people started really realizing, you know, she's really sick. And now with my parents, they realize they don't like to talk about because they really realized I was on the brink of death. But what helped me was to tell my story, mm. to let people hear it in a in coming from me and saying, This is this is me. This is what happened. This is my story. And this is where I was, and this is where I am. And it was hard at first, but I realized if it could help one person, I need to tell it. And that's what helped me get it out there because you, you've got to realize, okay, yeah, some people are going to think, oh yeah, right. She wasn't really that as an excuse or, oh, she's crazy. You know, she's got some really serious, so what? Let them think whatever they want. I'm starting to like who I am, but I'm also can be an advocate to maybe help just one other person. And if it means just that one person, the rest of my life, I've done my job. I've walked that walk of darkness and I've gotten over that hump. So why not give back to help somebody say, okay. And that's why I think I could come out a little. I realized that if there wasn't people backing me, then how could I, I need to go and tell my story. But my ex-husband was the one I told first and I knew that was going to be my biggest battle. But with being married to the military at that time opened up an avenue for me to seek treatment. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that was a blessing. And then my parents came after, then my brothers came after that. And then now they all realize, they sit back and like, man, she walked. It was long. It was over 13 years. Wow. So it was a long journey. It was a, it was a, you know, I did some bad things, you know. I spent a lot of money on food where most people think, you know, she's got a, a drug problem. Wow. But it was on food and groceries. I would lock myself up in my apartment in college and just gorge out. 
not see anybody. And all I could think about was food, 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 food. Yeah. It, 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 it's kind of one of those questions, but what now in your adult life would you have said to yourself if you could give any advice looking back and, and all those years? I think what I would tell myself now and what I try to tell people, it's okay to fall down. It's okay not to be perfect. And you don't have to be proven anything to anybody but yourself. Make yourself happy. Then the world's going to accept you. I would tell that person, don't tell everybody yes. Don't please everybody. Don't be a pleaser. If you got to piss somebody off, piss them off. You know? But, but you don't have to be, and my problem was I was a pleaser. 100% I needed to please. I was kind of my boss said, oh, I need to talk to you. I needed to take care of it right now because I needed to make it happen. You know, I needed to know what it was. I would fix it. And I'm going to please you. I'm not the kind that could sit on something back then and wait and maybe let things calm down. I had to fix everything. So that's what I would tell my previous. It's okay to piss people off. It's okay not to please everybody. Just make yourself happy. And then once you make yourself happy, the world's going to be a lot better. And yes, you're going to fall down. You're going to skin your knees. You're going to fail. You're going to get it. You're not the job that you want. Your marriage might fail, but it's okay. The world's not crashing in around you. That's what I tell them. I love that. And it's something that I've just learned recently that I'm going to say, because we're very similar in that way. Speaking to the boss, I had to do it. I had to do that. And I actually found out the difference between we work off vibrational frequencies and energies. And you sound exactly like me in the, we were heavily dominated by our divine masculine energy, which is go, 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 go. Yeah, and yeah. the divine feminine is the creativity and passion, slowing down and just letting it flow. And yeah. I was coming up against some things, and I'm going, what is it? Until I actually went inside and worked with somebody to realize I was out of whack. And then people actually related it and goes, do you know why the imperfectly perfect went so fast, so quick and resonated? It's because you was in alignment your passion, your creativity, meeting the work ethic. And it was like that. And that's why it's continued. Whereas other things in your life, if you think about it, if you, you constantly go, 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 go without learning those boundaries, like you say, and loving yourself, then it just doesn't work. And no, it, and it becomes a big cluster. Oh, it's like man. you're putting out fires constantly. It's like drama. I have no drama in my life anymore, but yeah. I had drama, you know, and it's like I created myself. Yeah. So, you know, so, you know, I don't have any drama in my life. I, and it's because I've learned, I tell my daughter this, it took me 50 years to grow up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Truly, because, <laughs> because I had everything was so havoc back then. It took me a while to calm my waters and really be who I am. But you and can I'm still trying to improve. But you can tell because the first day that I met you, and I've told you each year that I've met you when I come to LA training, you exude this energy, like just this positive outlook, your videos, your content, your everything about you. Um, but what I wanted to touch on next was, was we'd gone through that, but then came this accident. And first of all, everyone would see your videos, the incredible shape that you're in, but also what you can do but I want people to know that story of where you came from as well, because 
the day that I met you and heard that, I was like, how is she doing this? So, yeah. Uh, well, one, I went to a doctor and whenever you have a fusion, it takes uh, movement from you. So I was going to have four areas fused. That means I wouldn't have been able to turn right or turn left. My world would have come to a crashing halt. And my biggest fear with that, my fitness is my passion, but it's also to keep my head clear. It's where I can release everything. My music's on. I'm in my own world and I'm doing my thing. That's my, it's all mine. It's nobody else's. And I knew it was coming to a halt. So I had a fear of my demon coming back. Because I, I put two people together, the skinny little sick girl, the strong Andrea. If you put them side by side, they don't even look alike. Mm. It's like a totally different person. I was scared this strong girl was going to go back to that weak girl. So I had a battle. I was referred to Dr. Todd Lamon, who to me is the most precious man doctor there is. I walked in his office and he said, you're too young for a fusion. There's not going to happen. I believe in movement. And he put what's called artificial disc in my neck. And being, being in the shape that I was in, I, it helped me to excel quicker. And I know it's a cliche and everybody says it. Oh, if, if I hadn't been in shape, I wouldn't have survived that right. That is the honest to God's truth. Because I was hit from the back. The girl was going about 75 miles an hour, and I was stopped on the 101. So I was completely dead stopped. My trunk was in almost to my front seat. Wow. And so it, 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 I, you know, everything about me, but that impact, but my, uh, at that time, my shoulders and my back was just so strong that it could take that. I was very fortunate, 100% fortunate. But he was my lifesaver. So then I started rehabbing myself and I would go and say, okay, can I do this? He goes, no. He says, you didn't have a, I'll never forget this. You didn't have a mole removed, Andrea. You had spinal surgery. <laughs> <laughs> and, he said, and he looked at my daughter. He said, what am I going to do with your mom? She said, you tell me. <laughs> so <laughs> he said, okay. So the first week he said, I can start walking. I walked from Santa Monica to Marina Del Rey and back. So I was Forrest Gump. <laughs> if that's all I could do, then by God, I'm going to do it. You know, so I started walking. So my third week from my surgery, I attempted a handstand push-up, and I did it. I videoed it and I sent it to my doctor and I said, doc, look at this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what did he say? <laughs> he came back with, uh, you know, you had spinal surgery, right? I said, I just wanted to see if I could still do it. He now shows that in his conferences when he goes about spinal surgery. Wow. <laughs> um, it, this one crazy girl <laughs> doing her handstand push-up. So I just rehabbed myself. I didn't do any rehab or anything. I just listened to him, but I, I knew where I could go. But the, the disc themselves is like I've never had a neck injury my whole life it is amazing it, he's uh i have to praise him i do give him praises I, all the time i give him shout outs and i try to send anybody and everybody to him i mean because he's he's he is 
he's still doing things that the FDA hadn't approved of new disc because he believes in one complete movement because a fusion, eventually the disc above and below that fusion, because they're working so hard, they're going to go out eventually. So you're going to be having another surgery. So the disc replacements is like, and actually it grew a little too, because it's straight, it, it, it pulls your ligaments up. So it makes you taller. I so I might've grown. So, carry on, sorry. Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I, I said I maybe like, grown a little bit. I would actually like to know though. So attesting to kind of mental health well-being, you were, you went from here, predominantly where you've been told that you might never get movement back. So obviously yeah. that took a toll on your mental health. But yeah. what do you think, like there's miracles and then there's kind of the mindset with it. You must have had resilience and determination to kind of almost, where, where was your head at at that space? I did because like I said before, when they told me fusion with the first doctor, this fear of my demon coming back just coming back and taking over my life, I really thought it was going to happen. So my, my goal was once he said, I am going to fix your neck and you're going to have complete movement. I needed to prove to myself that I could get back to where I was or better than I was before. Mm. Because not only did he fix my neck, I had a previous fusion in my neck from 16 years ago. He took that out. So he made my neck like 100%. So I had to not only do it for myself, but I wanted to do it for my doctor as well because he believed in me enough to, to fix me, right? But the fear, the fear of your demon is like a little shadow. And you don't want that demon to come. I call it, I had an angel on one shoulder and devil on the other, and they were battling each other. Mm. And I just needed this time, I needed to make sure that I won and I was going to do it. And then again, let people know, just because something happens, your life doesn't have to stop. No matter what you're faced with, you just take that step forward. It won't be as easy or fast, especially when you age, but you can still do it. Yeah. And so I want to, and, and mine is, I really want to be an advocate of a person that might've had a lot of trauma in their life, brought on myself and my mental health, but also something that wasn't brought on me to still be able to turn it around into a positive and try to be, uh, um, I'm not saying a role model, just when I meet people and I think, and I, a lot of people just open up to me for no reason, but I can let them know it's okay. I've been there. And um, I think if we can do that all together, I think we can fight mental health a lot better and let people know I'm a stranger, but I'm here. And um, just the other day, somebody on Facebook just said, a friend of mine, I've only met a couple of times at a concert, said, I'm really sad today, and I never get sad. I messaged him, my number said, if you need to talk, someone's here. Mm. And because I, I really believe if someone is just reaching out on Facebook or just even talking to you, that means they want to open up. They're opening up to a stranger, right? Yeah. So I think if I can say my story of where I've been, both areas, at least they know, well, this person has been there. They can understand. 
So that's one reason I, I try to keep pushing forward as well. And you are, you are a role model. I think everybody has that power within them. And I think these days it's that, as I say, people are worried of judgment and that kind of ego to keep us in a comfortable position. Except every one of us, like even through this campaign, like myself, you, every one of us who have gone through those struggles, adversity, and we've shared the story, look what you can still achieve and look where yeah. you can get your message and look what can be done. It's like, I think we come to this place when we've gone through it and you learn life's lessons. And like you say, it's took you what, 50 years to learn to grow up. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to 36 and I'm like, oh wow, it's taken me 36 years. Now I have to unravel everything that I've learned to find my inner child to actually see where trauma came from, why I went through this, why I did this. And now I actually realize and I understand why I'm attracted to people like yourself. The energy is because there's no competition. There's no judgment. Yeah. You can talk to people like you've known them for 20, 30 years. Yeah. And it's just so natural. And I think when people do tend to realize, and not people who are going through struggles at the moment, because that's the, the darkest part, but when people in society actually realize that humanity, if we come together, we share stories, we, we can elevate each other and help each other. So I love the fact that you just, you, you reached out to somebody I think is amazing. Yeah. I just think, especially right now, the rise of suicide, I actually had a cousin that uh, hung himself during COVID. Um, but everybody thought he was the happiest person on this planet. He didn't reach out and none of it was, it came as a shock. And then I just had a friend that called me that I went to high school with his brother, shot himself in the front yard and it because of job losses and, and mental illness and he was battling drug addiction so we never know somebody can have a smile on their face and and be hurting and so my dad always taught me to be friendly to everyone you meet yeah and uh always say hello and uh that's one thing I don't like about the mask right now. I cannot see anybody's smiles and I can't smile to them, but I've learned that your eyes can tell a lot. So I always am smiling underneath it, but I try to still say hello because people need that warmth. Yeah. That, the, the, the yeah. upness of your face, I really believe makes people feel comfortable. And so in this, especially this day and time right now, I think, people really need people they do i agree i agree and i think you need to get a mask with a, a print on of a smile <laughs> take a picture of your smile and put it on your mask um yeah because i think i think what you do is is incredible and like with your career you have trained some of the biggest celebrities in hollywood what have you learned and we don't need to go in names and everything because yeah, right, right. look at your bio but what have you learned from a-listers to you work with a lot of the population. Like I can only attest and think because I, I, I've known you and I, I can kind of get a sense what you're going to say. But for people out there, when people think these A-listers are, are so high up and then you, you're with everybody, what, like, everybody's the same. Everybody is exactly the same. They have the same struggles that everybody else does. It's just, unfortunately, sometimes theirs is put out there in the world and us as our, I'll say like me, a regular, just everyday Joe, they still have the same battles. Unfortunately, when the limelight is on them, 
they have, some of them carry a facade and until they can really get to know you, they do start opening up. Mm -hmm. And I've learned that, you know, it doesn't matter who you are and people are like, Oh, it's gotta be great. Sometimes you wonder how did I even get in their world? <laughs> you know, cause it, 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 some of it is a big mess mm -hmm. and they're just living, they're having, their job is to entertain us. Right. Yeah. And I've learned that some of them actually are very introvert and they become the character that we see on screen. Mm. They go into complete character, but really in true life, they're truly introverts and they're quiet and timid. And um, they just have a knack when they're in character to become who they need to be. And again, that's a facade. I can believe that because every a lot of people who are really well-known actors and that, that is one question I ask them. What people see sometimes, are you an extrovert like people would perceive you or an introvert? Many of the times, nine out of 10, everybody's like, no, people wouldn't know. I actually, during lockdown, I actually quite enjoyed it because I was... I was <laughs> that's eating, exactly like, right. Yeah. yeah so like my life hasn't really changed. That's yeah. who I am. Yeah, no, and that's true. It's that so fascinating, really true. like human yeah. behavior and, and what we think we, we make judgment or what we see or what we think we like to see or what we think we know about somebody. We really don't. No. And it's the same no, as I was, I, uh, I was speaking to a guy and he said, it's funny, the first realization of him being an actor was that he used to get excited going to um, like events to meet fans and everything. But then he felt a disconnect because... It wasn't coming to see him. It was coming to see a character. Yes. So in his head, he found it really hard because they're all like, they know him, but yet they right, don't right. know him. So that in itself. Right. And I was watching a documentary and I've learned to love the Bee Gees all over again. Um, but one thing Barry Gibbs said, they asked him if he was going to go on tour and he goes, only if I'm wanted. I love to feel wanted. So really they're performing just like we want. Everybody wants to be loved and wanted. And that was such a um, true statement. Mm. And he says, if, if I'm wanted, yes, I will. Wow. And so it makes you realize, you know, they're really just like all of us, yeah. you know, they, they, it's just, unfortunately the bigger ones, they just have the limelight on them. And I think that makes them even as introverts, more introvert. Yeah, it would do. Do you know what I mean? Because they can't just be themselves anymore, whatever that is. And so when you're behind closed doors, you can be whatever you want. And I think that even if they're not really super outgoing, but just their fame makes them more introverted. Introvert. Totally true. So I've got two last questions for you. Okay. One of the main ones which I ask everybody is, what does being imperfectly perfect mean to you, Andrea? Honestly, none of us are perfect and it means it's okay to be imperfect and to love yourself imperfectly. And I love what you're doing with it. And it means to smile at your imperfect. That's what it means to me. Love it. Love it. And you do so many amazing things. Where can people find out more information about you? And I noticed that you're doing a lot of uh, online virtual stuff now. So <laughs> yeah, yes, yes, yes. Oh. Um, you can actually find me best place is uh, 
Andrea Logan Fitness on Instagram or Andrea Logan Fit is my website. But really, most people reach through use Instagram is more like your website now. But yeah, that's how you can find. Amazing. Well, I just want to say, um, I mean, absolutely. Some- oh, sorry, there was a time delay there. What did you say? Oh, sorry, no, no, no. I said just that's where you can find me doing my silly videos or hand waves. <laughs> so I, will, I will put all the links up underneath this uh, so people can find you as well. But I just want to say, great catching up. Always love chatting and seeing you. And just on behalf of everything they've done and support for not only me, but for the campaign, I appreciate you. Um, and just want to know that you're absolute rock at everything you do and your advocacy for getting this message out yourself is amazing. So thank you. Well, no, I love what you're doing. I mean, I truly, honestly, I really do. I've actually sent links to people for you saying reach out. Like if I see somebody mentioning, like I think I like, saw somebody writing a song yeah. and was singing about, you know, so I'm always constantly aware. So whatever I can do to help, I will. You're amazing. Because I love what you're doing. Thank you. Well, guys, make sure you head to Spotify or High Art Radio and then you can download this episode. It's going to be out next week. So keep on doing it and keep on having those hard conversations, guys, because it really is those hard conversations that continue to save lives. To find out more about the Imperfectly Perfect campaign and how you can get involved, simply head to our official website at imperfectlyperfectcampaign.org or email us today at info at imperfectlyperfectcampaign.org to speak to one of the team. The Imperfectly Perfect campaign is creating awareness and is not a substitute for professional advice. Should you need help, please refer to your nearest crisis number.